This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Thrive Inspiring Women, brought to you by Real Communications. I'm your host, Gina McKenzie, and I'll be speaking with inspiring women who are passionate about making a positive impact on our world. I hope you'll be uplifted and motivated by powerful stories of women doing amazing work to transform people's lives. Occupational therapist Randa Abassi worked throughout New Zealand and the world in a range of public and private healthcare providers before purchasing Workspace IQ in December 2019 here in Christchurch. Today on Thrive, we're learning about her business journey and also some tips for us on how we can set up our own healthy workspace, whether it's at home, in the office, or a hybrid of both. Welcome to Thrive, Randa. Thank you, and thanks for having me. You're welcome. Great to have you here today. So can you tell us a little bit about your interesting background and what made you decide to pursue a career as an occupational therapist and where this journey has taken you? Sure, it'd be a pleasure. Um, so as you can probably tell from the name, I've, um, I'm of mixed culture, um, bicultural. So my father's uh, Palestinian and my mum's a Kiwi from Christchurch. And she was overseas doing her OE and uh, found herself nursing in the Middle East. And um, uh, and so I was born there and, and unfortunately my father passed away and then we moved back to New Zealand. But it, actually that gave me a great upbringing um, growing up here. And I uh, grew up with a shift work mum. She was busy nursing at, uh, she was the head of the uh, maternity hospital here in Christchurch, the matron back in those days. Um, and I grew up with lots of uh, health professionals around me, mainly lots of nurses, who used to have a lot of fun, or still do have a lot of fun. And um, it was always an expectation that I'd go to school and go to university and go off travelling and then come home. And so, like, most of the people that were adults that were around me, I just followed suit. So I went down to Dunedin after school and I really didn't know what I was going to do. I actually registered for Phys Ed to start off with. Um, didn't like that, pulled out of that after um, uh, the first semester. and But really liked the psychology element of it. So did some psychology papers. And back then, um, occupational therapy hadn't, hadn't opened up a school in Dunedin. Um, but was advertising and it was opening up the next year. And I remembered when I was a student, I went to Burwood Hospital here in Christchurch and uh, on a careers, you know, they have those careers um, afternoons and we went around all the different professions and I looked at occupational therapy and just thought how diverse it was and how exciting and fun it was. And I thought, I think I could do this. So I went along to the OT, OT um, occupational therapy, shortened for OT, um, uh, OT uh, school open days and uh, decided to apply because I really wanted to do a career where it was diverse. I was working with people. I knew that I was quite connected with people and um, 
and uh, I could travel. That was the three main important things. So I applied and got in and graduated in the 90s. I can't remember when, 1995, I think, and uh, came back to Christchurch for a couple of years of working before going travelling and almost 20 Three years later, I've come back home. So I have had a couple of stints at home for a year here or there to get experience and then go back and reconnect with my family. But yeah, and it's just taken me all over the world and I've just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, You know, I just, yeah, I think working with people, um, working in a career that I could help people really thrive um, has been Um, very rewarding and I know it's exactly what I need to be doing in my life and career to feel fulfilled so I I feel like I live my um, true values through my profession and my profession helps me to live it through Mm. my life as well. That's so important isn't it? It is. Yeah. How important is workplace setup when you're trying to create a healthy work environment and how do you help your clients achieve this? Um, Look, it is really important and I think technology has evolved so much um, and so quickly and we haven't evolved as quickly. Um, In fact, I don't think, you know, we've been very slow to evolve, Um, not only uh, the sort of... um, anatomically, which is kind of a good thing because I don't know if we want to evolve as quick as um, as the technology, um, but just even psychologically or mentally we haven't evolved as quickly. So that's probably been the biggest, um, uh, the biggest uh, observation that I've had. And so as a result that we're not we're not healthy anymore at work or we're, you know, I think the silver lining of COVID is that we're actually having to focus on mental health and mental well-being and the whole, whole person as an employee. Um, And that's fantastic because this is something I've been really hitting my head against a brick wall up until COVID times. Um, Just not not looking at the safety element of work, um, but looking at the whole person, not just looking as the employee and how productive, how much work they can produce, but looking at the employee as a, you know a mother or a single person or a father or a, you know a, a soccer player or you know everything in their life then mm. everything that they can bring and as soon as you acknowledge that you have a much more engaged workforce or employee um, and your retention and your recruitment goes up and um, you know and the business thrives through that so it is really important um, to focus on the whole employee but also the physical element of work as well because we don't fit into um, workplaces as well as what we used to. Um, it's trying to adapt the environment and the task to the person doing it. So we can't look at putting um, round pegs and square holes anymore. Um, and I think the world's realising that we have to, um, you know, adapt the task to the person, make sure that the person is happy and is suited to doing that task. And as a result, you get increased productivity, decreased injuries, healthier communities um, and yeah, healthier and safer communities mm. and people as a whole. So it's looking at that whole picture, the whole person health. Mm. It's um, a big change then from the past where it was all about um, filling in a questionnaire maybe if you're working in a larger organisation and then, oh, someone's coming to see you to get you set up. Yep. So just you're you're an employee and here's your physical space and yep. you know we want to make sure your chair's at the right height but you're saying it's much more than that now isn't it? It's moved, moved to the next level. It is, absolutely. And um, you know it's not only good for the business to look like that they're actually investing and they're genuinely 
interested in investing in the health of the employee, but as a result, the employee um, benefits from it. And I often say, if you have had an assessment from me, you know, that, well, let's get the physical environment, make sure that you've got everything that you need to be able to do the job and it matches the job that you're expected to, to do. But what can we do? You actually have a responsibility as well to look after your health, whether just personally, but as an employee, and how important is that? Um, so it's a 50-50 relationship. Mm. So it's all those other sort of soft skills of, you know, exercising and moving and um, taking your breaks and being responsible for your own health. And, and uh, that's equally as important as the physical um, uh, environment. It leads nicely into our next question. What sort of changes have you seen in your field over the course of your career? Yeah, so I've been doing this for almost 30 years now, and um, I've seen a lot of change. So actually, randomly, I know I'm in ergonomics now, but I'm actually in the the field of... um, wellness is the new term, but injury prevention, um, self-management. I really, I've changed from trying to be the, or being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, cliff to being the ambulance at the top of the cliff. And I think that's where communities or people need to change as well, taking responsibility for their health and, and um, you know, for, the, for their life and not expecting other people to do it and not expecting the system to do it. But I've seen, I, I had a, um, I, I've worked in HIV or it was AIDS when I started and uh, for 20 years I worked in infectious diseases. So, you know, the current p- pandemic, I'm probably one of the only people along with my infectious diseases colleagues that get quite excited by a pandemic because this is what we train for. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, back in the day when I worked in HIV or AIDS, the only choice was, well, there wasn't a choice really. It was a, it was a death sentence, and the World Health Organization categorised it as a palliative care illness. And I did my masters in HIV. Twenty years on, when I was writing my masters thesis, um, you can now live well, and World Health Organization have categorised it as a chronic illness. So it's similar to diabetes. There's lots of choices of how you can live well with HIV. The stigma's not there as much; still there a wee bit. Um, so that's been a significant change. You know, it's gone from multi um, tablets a day to one tablet a day. It's gone from pre- a lot of prevention um, work. It's um, and you know, as an occupational therapist, when I was helping people to to die well, um, it's actually now how to live well. And so that's been a huge change. Obviously, the technology, you know, the computers. Um, it's amazing. We used to have the big set computers. Now we've got screens. People have gone from one screen two to three screens we've got laptops it's just it is you know we can work through our mobiles it is significant the change that's happened in the time that and it makes me feel very old but actually I just think technology is moving you know quickly um working from home that's a new thing we'd never even just a couple of years ago consider mobilizing our workforce to work at home or have a hybrid way of working um, that's a significant change and I think just even the conversations about back when I was training it was called self-care now it's called resilience we mindfulness it was meditation back then um, you know there's lots of things around deep breathing and just calming the mind and now it's mindfulness people having conversations people we were just talking about the gym mm. those things are at mainstream gyms now and I just love it can't get enough of it if I think people have just you know I think I'm an occupational therapist but actually everyone's occupational therapist because they're all doing it well I think they're all starting to have a conversation about doing it and the society is enabling um, that to happen a lot more freely than it used to so that's exciting 
We just mentioned hybrid ways of working and in mm. our next um, question we are looking at the post-lockdown um, changes that we've had um, towards more flexible ways of working. So a lot of um, you know the large organisations, their staff haven't gone back or they've only gone back a few days a week. Um, more people are working from home. But then this raises um, the issue of the home office. How can we ensure that our home office is set up correctly, whether we're working there full-time or hybrid? Or... Mm. And I've been sitting on the fence about this hybrid way of working. Certainly flexible way of working is probably a, a good way of putting it. Um, we are more mobile and work can be done wherever, um, given we've got the, you know, if we've got the technology to do it. But as a result, that opens up a, a whole world of injuries and, you know, both mental and physical health issues. Um, so it has to be done carefully. And I think employers are really struggling with their um, responsibility around how they support people to be mobile and work wherever. Um, and some of that is so sitting on the fences around also the fact that we are social beings and human beings and we, we need that interaction. Even introverts have even realised through lockdowns how they actually need mm. some social interaction to feel well. Um, and so it has to be done very carefully and I don't think there can be a one... One rule for all, and so you know, just having flexibility around where people work is is the goal. Opposed, well, it would be my goal opposed to mandating people working um, from from home all the time. Um, and that might might be around if that's you know if that's the way business is going, come together and have um, social gatherings, probably more than what you would do normally, having lunches at cafes or a group walk around the park or um, meetings, you know, hiring um, community spaces and having meetings so that regularly as a team you sit down together. It's hard to be creative by yourself on, or on Zoom opposed to um, you just, you know, you know how stilted Zoom is whereas when you're sitting around a table and how ideas flow more freely between each other. Um but yeah, setting up the homework um, station is challenging because homes aren't designed for working. And actually, I do notice a few more um, uh, builders getting on board or real estate agents who are advertising homework, you know, work offices or people are having pods put into their back garden and having dedicated space and they're advertising that as a sales pitch and things. Um, and that's great. And that is around having a dedicated workspace at home. So I think if you've got a spare room or you can block off a little part of the garage or you could have enough, if you have enough space for a pod to be put out in the, in the back garden, having a dedicated workspace means that you go into that space and psychologically you're wired and you switch on to do work and likewise when you leave it you switch off because you just it's the blurring of those boundaries between home and work that becomes psycholo psychologically unsafe for us and just not being able to switch off is really um, tiring um, so if you have a room that you can close the door at the end of the day and make that psychological switch, um, then that's better. If you don't have it and you are at the, um, at the dining room table, then close your office down 
and fold it away, put it put it in your bag as if you're going to walk to the car and, and drive home, and then in the morning set it up. Because that's just part of the routine, healthy routines of work. But it also means that you've cleansed that space, space the dining room table or the, um, the, the kitchen bench or whatever, of work, um, and uh, just wound down. So it's about having those healthy boundaries. Um, other things are investing in a decent chair. The amount of people I see sitting on seat, um, stools or dining room chairs which are just not made for the longevity of um, work sitting there for six or eight hours or even two hours really a dining room ta- table chair is only good for one to two hours and I see a lot of back injuries and people are just not investing in a good chair um, and so you know chairs these days last for 10 or I know yours last for 20 years and so you know they cost a lot of money but actually if chair costs you know $800 mm. we were talking earlier that's only $20 a year if it lasts for 20 years so um, you know that's a fantastic investment so um, we, we spend sneakers uh, these days are two 250, 300, and they only last six months if you use them uh, frequently. So um, we don't think anything about that. So having investing as much as you can in a chair and a, a dedicated desk, um, a laptop, if you're going to work from a laptop, having a separate um, mouse and keypad, uh, keyboard and raising that screen so it's in line with the tops of your eyes. The other thing about home workstations is light. Um, so you often have a pendant light in the middle of the room, but if you're in the corner, it means the light behind you so it creates a lot of shadows or people put themselves up against windows great you can look at the garden oh that's fantastic but you often have a lot of sunlight coming straight in towards you and curtains at home you close curtains and they're all or nothing as far as light and down here in the south we often have block out blinds or thermal blinds so it really is all or nothing as far as light opposed to a you know a blind that you can wind up and down or a filtered um you know a, a mesh kind a blind, filtered blind. Um, so having some task lighting, we call it, which is just basically lamps on the on your desk, is a good way to control lighting, especially in winter. It does does get quite dark here. Um, so lighting is really important. As is temperature. I just couldn't believe in my house that I needed to put a dedicated. Um, heater in my office because mm. um, I, you know, I've got a home office as well. I live in a new house, it's double glazed, it's thermal, thermal, you know, it's got bats in the walls, I assume, and good carpet. Um, and I was being quite pig headed about the light, but I, oh, sorry, the heat, but I was just incredibly cold because obviously when you sit down, your system cools down. Um, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to turn on a heater. I've got a heat pump. I should be warm enough. But I was freezing and I just couldn't do good work and I just didn't enjoy going into that space. I just wanted to be on the lounge where the uh, heat pump was. And so I got a, an, a, and it's really expensive, isn't it? So I got actually a really efficient. Um, portable um, heater and the world of difference so I flick it on close the door go and make my breakfast get changed into my work clothes which that routine of work's really important and when I go into my office it's nice and warm and I'm relaxed and I can do good work I totally agree with you my office is on the cooler side of the house Mine so it's too. nice um, in the summer because yep. you're not it's not so hot mm. and um, I totally agree though about the heater I um that's the first thing I did um, was put a good heater an efficient heater and I've also got one of those heated blankets that you can plug nice. in because I find just my, my legs nice. get a bit chilly and then I can cosy up with that well and done. Um, carry on. Well you did better than me, that was the last thing that I did. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it was just amazing the difference. And mm. yeah, sometimes it's just you know, for me, it's about practicing what I preach. <laughs> exactly. And I, um, I was like you. I thought, gosh, that's going to make the power bill expensive. Mm. But then I thought, well what's worse, being cold and inefficient yep. and not productive yep. or, you know, being in a space where you can just feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So now we'll talk about, um, you purchased your business, Workspace IQ, in December 2019, mm. so a couple of years ago, and it was an existing business. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to know, um, of course, how your business is going, but how do you put your own identity on a business that's been run by someone else for quite some time? Yeah, so Workspace IQ was established by Jane Cowan Harris, who's an occupational therapist. Um, of 40 years experience and she established sit, sit Well, Work Well so people in Christchurch might remember that in 2004 and so I brought it off an expert in her field and it had really good bones really good dedicated clients and um, great resources and I um, have worked with Jane previously in um, actually 2003 and four when she left to start the business so I knew her style of work and her philosophy around work and how she interacts with clients was very similar to mine so it was an honour and a privilege to take on her legacy and really just build from that so I did a lot of um, questioning of her and thinking about it and looking at the business before I did purchase it to make sure that it aligned with my own values and beliefs so I'm really as I've gone through my career um, i place great emphasis on values-based work and um, if I don't believe in it I, I find it really hard to deliver it so um, that was her, her three values of that business were ergonomic sustainability and green so those two things especially was important because I, I, I do really value uh, creating a better world a more sustainable world and so um, really I just um, told her story and just um, added to it and so but you know what's like there is a little bit when you move into a house or a new business you do want to um, paint the walls and give it your own sort of flavour or your own colour or reinvent it a little bit so I refreshed all I did was really refresh the brand um, and um, expanded the services um, and uh, so the brand refresh, um, I, I decided Workspace IQ was a great name, um, but the logo just needed modernising, and it just it just sort of reflected a little bit more of my own personality. So um, it's been very challenging because December twentieth, two thousand and nineteen, I actually officially owned the business, and the corporate world sort of goes a bit quiet for a month. Uh, and the phone didn't start ringing until the end of January. I was incredibly busy um, until lockdown, which happened in March, I can't remember the date, 2020, and then it was dead quiet. Um, so there was a little bit of a panic, um, but actually what it did was allow me to catch up and work out what I wanted for the business and where the business was going. She ran it as a part-time business, and I wanted to run it as a full-time business. And from there, and I know you were going to ask me about this, was um, just about the aspects of the business. Um, so I really thought about what I wanted to offer that told um, my story and... and um, was reflective of my skills and experience, but also, um, you know, I could see a need in the community as well. But it also, because I get so excited about being an occupational therapist, um, I often uh, 
want to say yes to everything and I can't. I just don't have the, the, the time to do it. Um, and so it just meant that I could channel down exactly into three areas, the, the um, services or the, you know, the skills or the... Um, uh, that I, you know, the services really that I wanted to offer, which was the, my new sort of um, tagline is work well, learn well, live well. So work well was all around um, preventing injury in the workplace and managing it if it happens. Learn well is I'm really passionate about education and um, and uh, and you know growing and developing myself and others, seeing others thrive in that space. And then live well just as um, the, the occupational therapy side of um, helping people overcome challenges and barriers to live a, a fulfilling life. Um, so that really helped me narrow down what I said yes to and what I said no to, um, because otherwise um, it's just, you know, I just found in my first year of business that I said yes to everything, but it meant that I was spread very thin across too many services. And so I just had to narrow down. Um, so, yeah, I think that's helped me um, channel down um, what I can offer um, and and be true to my own values. Mm, that's mm-hmm. so important. So how can our listeners connect with you and find out more about Workspace IQ? Yeah, so just as of today, I've just gone live on Insta and my handle, I think it's called, I'm just getting used to Instagram, is Workspace IQ underscore NZ. I'm on Facebook and that's just Workspace um, IQ. LinkedIn is under my name, Randa Abassi. Um, and obviously I have a web- website as well, workspaceiq.co.nz. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Randa. It's been great to hear more about your journey and also to learn some tips of what we can do to ensure that we've got a healthy workspace, whether it's in an office or at home or a bit of both. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Thrive Inspiring Women. If you'd like to listen to previous shows, just go to the Plains FM website and type in Thrive. Thanks again for tuning in to Thrive and join me again next time for more amazing stories from inspirational women who are changing our world.